0: Does all work and no play make you a dull boy? What's up Story Geeks, it's Daryl Smith. On the Story Geeks podcast, we love science fiction, fantasy, and comic book stories. And on today's show, Nick Duke and Megan Salinas joined Sandra Demas and myself to fight over the best Stephen King adaptation. This is the final episode in our horror series. Hope you've enjoyed the rest of the series. We've done episodes on Us and It and Brightburn. So I hope you've really enjoyed those. And now we're going to wrap it up by arguing over the king of horror. So for more information on the story geeks network and all our podcasts and blogs, check out the While you're there, become a part of the story geeks club by supporting us on Patreon. Thanks for listening in. The story geeks podcast is produced by the reclamation society. Now let's fight over the best Stephen King adaptation. All right, welcome, everybody. We are going to fight about Stephen King films, Stephen King horror films, specifically, because this is our horror series, the final episode in our horror series. So our fighters tonight are Nick Duke, Megan Salinas, and, of course, Sandra Demas. What's up? What's up? Uh, Woo! (laughs) Before we dive in, um, Nick and Megan, let's hear a little bit about what you guys are up to and where people can find you and all that good stuff. Nick, why don't you start?
1: (laughs) Uh yeah, I can't really be found anywhere, but
0: <laughs> um, I can see you right now. You can be found <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, I show up on the show. Well you I'm can needed. be found on the show. This is your third show, right?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. This is the third time I've been on. Um hopefully it's been getting better each time. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I keep telling myself. But uh too. <laughs> yeah,
1: can't really be found anywhere. But um uh I've been working on the Death of a Bounty Hunter uh audiobook. Yeah. And uh doing some audio uh, production audio on that. And uh, yeah, can't
0: wait for people to to hear that. I know, I'm excited for that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I am too. Can't wait to see how it all comes together. Um, I'm Megan. I do a lot of things. I am a host of a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where my co-host and I talk about horror-related things, a lot of trailer reactions, horror Q&As, things like that. Um, I am also a member of Rooster Team Radio, where we talk a lot about uh, Rooster Teeth Productions. Me and my cohorts, that's a lot of fun. And um, also, my what I'm currently working on, and oddly am, I think, the most excited about these days, is my podcast, No Love Lost, which is a lost retrospective podcast, where my co-host, Will Link, loves Lost, and I don't. We talk about it. And the reason I'm kind of excited for it these days is because, like, we're still in the middle of season two. So that's, like, when the show is good and not when it's not. Once we get to season three, it's going to be all downhill for me. So if you're interested in hearing my emotional downward spiral, definitely check it out.
3: I'm always interested in people's downward (laughs) spiral. (laughs) That's my jam. That's
1: a a tough hill to climb if you don't like Lost. Well, that's, it is. that's it's a lot whole, of TV.
2: That's <laughs> the whole crux of the show: is he loves Lost, and I don't, mm. because we had very di- uh, different opinions about the ending. So we're going back and seeing if we can change each other's minds. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> and has
0: anybody has anybody shifted yet?
2: Um, at the moment, I'm having a great time because <laughs> it's it's when the show is good. Whether or not I'll come around to the seasons I don't like. I honestly don't think that's gonna happen, but I don't know. The like, it might. It's kind of surprising stuff that I've forgotten, and stuff that like the knowledge of hindsight going back to earlier seasons, being like, oh, this actually did lead to this. Like that didn't come out of nowhere later. Like, um, so it's a very interesting experience.
0: Cool, Sandra, how you doing?
3: Good. Yeah? I'm ready to fight for my you're boy. You're ready to
0: fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we dive in, let me review how this works. We will have three rounds. In each round, you will each be presenting an argument for your movie. And there will be two minutes for that. And then there will be a minute to rebut each other. And then I will assign points. At the end of three rounds, we will have two winners and one loser. <laughs> the one loser, sorry, you're gone. <laughs> but you can help figure out who wins later. And the two winners will go head to head at the end for a winner take all final question that I will come up with out of the mist by the time we get there.
2: (laughs) Something in the mist!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, it it won't be too
1: much of a misery.
0: Yeah, (laughs) sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't wasn't a shining
0: moment for me. I apologize. (laughs) So, that's how this works. Real quick before we dive in, um, let's go through and find out which movies you guys are arguing for. No points to argue right now. All you're doing is saying the name of your movie. Nick. Misery. Megan.
3: The Mist. And Sandra. The Shannon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're not gonna get sued. Wait, you can say it. Wait,
2: wait, 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 wait. Uh, just this is very important to my arguments later on. Are you? Well, in then, don't fact, say it now. No, are you in fact going to bat for that Treehouse of Horrors <laughs> episode of The Simpsons? Or are we fighting talking for about the Stanley, Stanley Kubrick, Kubrick film, The Shining? Okay, okay. Because oh, I was going to you say, you're fighting I'm have... for
1: Stephen King's The Shining.
0: I was going to say, if you're fighting for Groundskeeper Willie, I'll give you the win right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: and you know what? I would concede. Yes. I would happily concede.
0: <laughs> All right. All is clear. Any yes. questions?
2: Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Oh my good. gosh, you're stalling, you. you're stalling. She's stalling, she's trying to come up with points. <laughs> Thank
0: you for asking though, Aww. I'm doing good.
2: That's good to hear.
0: Don't butter me up. Uh, okay, <laughs> so... Let's dive in with our first round points. Sandra, you are going to kick us off. Oh, thank God, <laughs> <laughs> dude! I'm so
1: I was so nervous. Like I like structured this like almost like a book report. I, mine literally says like "Misery is the best Stephen King horror <laughs> film because <laughs> I like Misery On
2: my this summer, summer vacation." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's funny because like actually um, the first time I did Nerd Fight, I did I did have to go first. So I was
3: like, "Am I doing it right?" Yeah. I don't know. I think
0: I think I did that to Brian last time, too. He had to go first. Yeah. And he won. Yeah. Really? So. Oh, okay.
3: Ooh. I will okay. gladly go first. Okay.
0: Are you ready to go? Yes. And go.
3: Okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and and talk about the elephant in the room. We're talking about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, which Stephen King is well known as disliking, hating even, but I will say he even he has come around to accept that the Kubrick universe does exist such that we will see elements of that in Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining. And, he I mean, someone who created the story still accepts the power of Stanley Kubrick's film because it is such a cinematic masterpiece. You have something that is so visually stunning. It's an extremely rewatchable film. The music, the scenes the the art and set decor everything about the film without even getting into the characters is extremely powerful visually um, memorable it is a pop culture icon in a sense the mist and misery are not <laughs> they uh, you know it, you just have to hear the beginning of the music from the shining and you know that's the shining. It is a completely um, memorable and powerful film, eerie and, you know, even even the King. Stanley uh, Stanley, King, Stanley, King, <laughs> you know, Stanley Stanley King. Stanley King. You know, no, but Stephen King himself <laughs> had to admit that the universe does exist because of the strength of that universe that Stanley Kubrick created using the Shining Source material. So memorable, rewatchable, unforgettable, even by Stephen King.
0: You got five more seconds. Do you want to say more words?
3: Nope. Okay. <laughs> unforgettable. <Un-for-get-a-ble. laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Megan, are you ready? Uh, yeah, sure.
0: And hey, we
2: got fun.
0: <laughs> are you sure you're ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. we're good. And go.
2: So, in fact, I feel like every movie that we're talking about here in this particular round are all great films, Mm -hmm. but a great film doesn't necessarily make for a great adaptation. As Sandra alluded to, sometimes, even if you have a good film, the spirit of the original work does not translate over, or sometimes the work itself is so dense that a lot of things get lost in translation. The Mist does not have that problem. Out of all three of these stories, it is the most faithful adaptation to the original source material, going almost beat for beat what was in the original novella. And the changes that are there were approved by King and actually work to enhance the story rather than the detract from it. And instead of a particular filmmaker wanting to turn it into their own story, like these filmmakers were very, very dedicated to adapting King's original work. And as a result, what we get is this very thought-provoking piece that explores ideas about society and humanity in the face of hopelessness, and these are all things that existed within the original source material, and guys, that ending, like if we are talking about changes, uh, I'll get to it later, but that particular ending, which was approved by King, is one of the bleakest horror movie endings that we've gotten in the last, like, I'd say two decades. And it is something that was 100% signed off by King that Frank Darabont felt very strongly about and it really does embrace that the thematic elements about how bleak this sort of apocalypse is and how hopeless Time. particular situation is. Well done. Nice. Thank you.
0: All right, Nick, okay. your first arguments. are ready to go? Okay. Yeah. All right. You got it. Don't worry. Oh, my
1: name is. You got this. You <laughs> got this. Nick, and
0: just get <laughs> ready to dive is into the book <laughs> report. All <laughs> uh, right. Because, and go. Okay.
1: So, misery is fantastic. Um, what to me makes it the best Stephen King adaptation is its continued relevance. It's uh, like portrays like what we've kind of coined now as like toxic fandom <laughs> um, which is like always always relevant and will always be relevant. Um, it's it's like it's the most and it, they, they do it in such like an amazing amazing analogy uh, like a writer that's em, an immensely popular storyteller trapped in a house by a fan who hates how the story ended <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's how a lot of writers, especially like lately have been feeling. Um but it doesn't stop there. She makes him write a new ending. Like forces him to do it or else. And you're not really totally explained to like why what she's going to do if he doesn't do it. She's just like, you know, it's going to be unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> um so maybe if Annie Wilkes existed now, she would just create a petition online and <laughs> like th- the movie would just end there, yeah <laughs> you know, like, um, so but th- this story is important for people who are passionate about the things they like and they're artists and writers and um it it forces you to to think like oh I, sh- I should really appreciate uh the, the writers and artists that I enjoy more um and it in turn it makes uh artists go like, well, you know, um fans are gonna have strong feelings about what I'm putting out there and it's good to listen to them. Like it's, you shouldn't do what they say. You should always listen to, to mm-hmm. yourself first as an artist, but listening to feedback works in all aspects of life.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Now we move into rebuttals.
3: <laughs> yes. And
0: Sandra, you are up first. All right. You get one minute on the clock here. Okay. Are you ready for it? Yes. Are you sure?
3: Yes. Positive? <laughs> yes.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Sorry. Because you have 45 <laughs>
1: seconds.
3: Absolutely. <Yeah>. Positive. <laughs> now it's 30.
0: Now it's 30. <laughs> okay. And go.
3: Okay. So, um, going to Megan, your point. So, concerning the mist, it does divert from the end. So, you said that it's the most faithful, but it isn't. I would say actually misery is more faithful than the mist. It's pretty dang faithful. I'm um, the end specifically so the end of the mist in the novella he says and he's teasing this whole time that there were two words two words and you're waiting you're waiting and waiting what were those two words and he says hartford hope and i think that is such a powerful ending it's not as bleak by any stretch of the imagination as the film version um But I enjoy that ending concerning, Nick, what you said, the continued relevance. I think when you think of Red Rum, here's Mm -hmm. Johnny, um, the Grady twins, like The Shining continues to be relevant, not only with quotes, but also with the idea of claustrophobia and uh, madness. Mm -hmm. Those are real time. (laughs) What what is
0: that alarm ringtone? You don't have to time yourself, you know. I got you. I know, but I (laughs) want to know when you
3: drop the mic.
2: I legitimately thought that like your phone was ringing twice, and (laughs) (laughs) so I was like, "Did you not put it on silent
3: this (laughs) time?" It's the Zelda theme.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Megan. You
2: you ready for your rebuttal? Um. Yes.
0: Okay, and go.
2: While it's true that The Shining is a pop culture icon these days, and it is, it it will forever be a timeless message that, you know, in regards to toxic fandom and that relationship between artists and creators, and how the line is getting more and more blurred as, you know, accessibility to creators um, becomes more widely available, those are all very relevant things. However, I would disagree with you, Sandra, in terms of the hopeful ending, hopeful ambiguous ending being more powerful than the ending where David has to mercy kill his son and his friends just before help arrives. I think that that is a far more powerful Powerful and devastating ending than just, oh, we're going to keep driving and hope is on the horizon, probably. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why I gave you that voice. That's not at all (laughs) what you sound like. Um, And
0: time.
1: Was it was very you,
2: important that I do that I was that you were
0: going to
1: say, like, while those things might be relevant, we still all need to go to the supermarket. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we live in a society. There's no getting around needing bread. <laughs> we live in a society,
2: and there are boathouses that need taken care of.
3: Neighbors who don't cut their
2: trees. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, I, I there's a um, there's a channel uh, on YouTube called Dead Meat where they talk about horror related things. And uh, when they did an episode on the Mist, uh, the host James A. Janice was like, "Wow, boat houses and like property disputes. What kind of Mist does a guy have to walk through to have those kind of <laughs> problems?" <laughs> and I 100%
3: agree. <laughs> That's bougie. That's like a bougie film. <laughs> Excuse
0: me. All right, Nick, your rebuttal. You are ready? Okay,
1: let's let's rebuttal. Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> hit it. <laughs> um, so starting with, with the the Shining, um, again, I love all three of these movies so much. Yeah, they're so um, good. But uh, I feel like the Shining's uh, scary moments are a little hindered by Kubrick's trademark. Oh my gosh, isn't this scary? Cinematography, like his more <laughs> subtle moments are like to me way more terrifying and than when he goes and shows you like the you know the Red Rum on the door with like the quick zoom and like the all like the noise and stuff like that I know that it's it's a scary trick but um, I feel like the terror can be pushed further if it, the I guess epic scary moments aren't as like abrupt in the cinematography um, over on The Mist I feel like it's a little uh, over explained too much in the the film script as opposed to the, the book. Um,
0: in the, time.
2: The Arrowhead Dang. Project. Yeah. The <laughs> Arrowhead Project.
1: It makes you look at water bottles differently.
2: <laughs> Different <laughs> atoms being shot into the it's air.
1: Like, <laughs> I, I know I'm not supposed to like, help you guys, but did you know in, in the mist, in the very beginning, he's
3: painting uh, the yeah, gunslinger from the Dark is. Tower? He yeah. Totally oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. From and you tower. see um, an homage to the thing. Oh, for sure. In the back was one of the paintings. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's isn't it the poster from the movie? It, I thought it was a painting, but it's it's over on the corner. So
2: yeah, because David's a, David's a painter, and right. so it yeah, I want
3: to I want to
1: say it's like that that hooded figure in the snow with the the light coming out of the face. I think that's the poster for the film. Yeah.
2: Can we, again, I I know that we're all arguing, but again, I feel like it goes without saying that all three of these are amazing movies. And Actually, it didn't go without
0: saying all three of you said that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But like, if anybody out there listening has not watched all three of these films, do yourself a favor and go watch all three of these films. They're phenomenal. Especially Misery.
3: Especially (laughs) The Shining.
2: Especially the mist.
0: <laughs> oh, I have opinions. <laughs> T- tune into the aftercast to hear my opinion. Wait oh my. a minute.
2: At the beginning of the show, you said you had no opinion on Stephen King.
0: <laughs> I have opinions on these movies ah, that okay. I'm not incorporating into my process here. But Which is good. This I is will why you're a good share them writer. during the aftercast. So
1: sharing's caring.
0: But for now, based on what I've heard in this round, um, the idea that it pays to be a rookie is going to continue. <gasps> yes. Whoa. Oh, yeah. So, Good job. Yeah. Nick is going to get 2 points. 2 Woo.
1: points.
0: And um my Those reasoning my for that Thank is you. I love the idea that misery is relevant to toxic fandom yep. Mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw that movie so long ago that toxic fandom didn't mean anything to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was just like, wow, that's a creepy old lady with a hammer, and I'm scared, <laughs> you know? And,
2: <laughs> Rob Reiner, yeah. why did you do this to me?
0: <laughs> so I think that is a great pull. So I'm going to give you the two points for that. And so then it came down to, between Sandra and Megan... Who both argued for the quality of the adaptation of their film, which I think is a great point on both sides. However, Sandra did point out that even Stephen King himself has come to accept the adaptation of The Shining.
2: Except he doesn't have to like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Accepting and liking are two different things.
0: And I will also say you <laughs> spent the ma- Megan, you spent the majority of your rebuttal time praising the other two films. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just all I, of know, them I know, I so know. You're just—it's hard. It's hard to like
1: rag on. Yeah, the I know. I like, know. You I'm don't like wanna... really looking for things to nitpick. Yeah, here. like I
2: have, <laughs> I have mean things to say, but I'm like, but I don't mean them. So, these are so. That's half the fun. These are so good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't look. Just don't look well, at us when you're. When you're talking, about
2: Sandra,
0: it. I won a nerd fight well arguing that Batman versus Superman was the best DC movie. Do you think I really believe that?
2: <laughs> how do you? There's just you, a limited
0: selection. I don't really how believe do you that.
2: sleep at night?
0: <laughs> it's a game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Sandra, well done. Yay. <laughs> well done to both of you. Hazzaw. Excellent round. You.
0: So currently we have Nick with two points, Sandra with one point, and Megan with a lot of room to improve. So. Cool. Hey!
2: it can only go up from here.
0: And you get to go first in (laughs) this round. So round two, initial arguments. Megan, you're up first. Are you ready to go?
2: Um, yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert, you have to be. (laughs) Uh, yes. Okay.
0: And go.
2: I'm going to say that for my second point, director Frank Darabont is really one uh like he did a phenomenal job creating the world that this movie inhabits, and he really does an excellent job not only directing his cast, um, with a, because he does have that res- level of respect for the source material, he does a great job with his ensemble cast, he really does an excellent job of capturing the terror of the unknown, because that is the crux of the terror of the mist. It, it definitely does tie into aspects about humanity and what, how people will turn on one another. But he really captures that sense of, like, anything could be coming out of the mist so that when things do start happening, like, Insects that resemble a Bosch painting like fly and hit the window. Like you feel that impact with that excellent use of sound and score. Like he did a masterful job at using minimal film techniques in order to really maximize the terror. And out of the three films, I think it's actually the scariest because it feels the most real. It feels more like these are real people in this scenario as opposed to kind of, no offense to the other two stories, but self-insert writer characters. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Paul and Jack are proxies for Stephen King. And while that might make the story personal to him, that doesn't necessarily make it to anybody like to to the average viewer, it doesn't necessarily make it as accessible, uh, uh, more of a human story. That, and I think out of the three of them, it is the least problematic of these stories <laughs> because it doesn't um, tie into negative, stereoty- ner- negative stereotypes about and mental time. health, and it doesn't tie... time, time, time. time, 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 it it time, time. time, 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 time. She's a
3: rule breaker. <laughs> time, time, sorry. Time. <laughs>
2: I got tongue-tied towards the uh,
0: end. <laughs> All right, Nick, you are up next.
1: Uh, remind, remind me. Is this, are we, is two this minutes. our next, uh, our next this point? This is your next
0: main okay. point. So All you right. got two minutes for it. Okay. Ready to go? Yes. Go for it.
1: All right, so I just want to use these two minutes to talk about the director, Rob Reiner, of uh, Misery. A uh, little known director, directed uh, <laughs> like some small films like Stand By Me, Princess Bride, Spinal Tap, you know, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. Um, um, he creates an amazing atmosphere of isolation for Paul uh, Sheldon to inhabit. Like Even though the house where the story takes place is not out in the middle of nowhere, really, Uh, the home feels like it's disconnected from the rest of the world. Like there's no escape for Paul, mostly because his legs are broken. Um, Mm -hmm. But the, like the door frames are too narrow for his wheelchair to move around like quickly. There's no phone line. The neighbors steer clear of the land because of uh, Annie Wilkes. And like, it just all adds up to this feeling of hopelessness. And you find yourself wondering like what, what you're, what you would do in, his situation. And a lot of the film takes place in daytime too. So it's, it's a real tough trick to pull off frightening situations in daylight. Um, but Rob plays to the strength of the environment and like many of the frames are, are used, uh, like as, as, uh, tight, really tight angles. Um, and it's, adds up to making you feel like kind of a little claustrophobic, like stuck in this room. And Annie is often shot from below, making her like appear a lot bigger than him. Um, and like Rob just knocks it out of the park directing the movie. I, like I can't imagine it looking any better. Like it, it feels like uh, how it feels to read the story. And that's it.
0: All right. Well done. A few extra seconds to spare there. Impressive.
1: <laughs> How many seconds? Uh,
0: about 14. Okay, I have a fun fact. Go for <laughs> it. <I love> fun <laughs> so, uh,
1: the, the source material is based on a short story called The Man Who Loved Dickens. It's really important to pronounce the ENS there. Um, and the story is about a man held captive by a chief in South America and is forced to read him Charles Dickens stories. And uh, that is pure torture. King's idea was like, well, what if it was Dickens? And then he fell asleep on an airplane.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And then he took to Ambien and wrote the story.
1: (laughs) I just like that image of him going, like, what if it was Dickens though and then fell asleep and then wrote misery? You know, it's like, okay. He's like I had the
2: craziest dream. Like
1: you know, like Paul McCartney, like, how did you come up with uh, that song yesterday? Oh, I was I dreamt about it and mm. woke up the next day and just kind of wrote it.
2: Wasn't
3: it like ham and eggs or something? Yeah, ham scrambled eggs. eggs. Scrambled eggs. I was scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs. You've heard that before, right? You know, scrambled eggs.
0: <laughs> All right, Sandra, you ready? Yes. Excuse me. Okay, go for it.
3: Okay, so I will say that um, concerning The Shining, it is terrifying. So it's more than just proxies for Stephen King. It is actually someone who's middle class fighting against that, who doesn't want to live a mediocre life anymore. He wants to make it big as a writer. But it's completely relevant for anyone who's ever just strived to be out of that middle class. And you see so many people who are like, I think I'm okay with a mediocre life and that's rare. So many more are striving for more and more and more. So th- that in and of itself makes it relatable. The terror of these things. You don't know if it's there's claustrophobia happening, there's some weird supernatural things happening, there's a man in a bear suit doing some <laughs> freaky stuff. Um you know, maybe he's he's turning mad. You see so many different components. I will say when it comes to Um, the idea of a religious fanatic and the government being the bad guys. That's kind of a tired and trite plot. But with The Shining, you have something that we, it's deeper than what you think. It's not just this guy wants to be a writer and loses his mind. You know, there's some supernatural thing happening. We don't quite know. Um, We don't know really, like, why he's so upset with the life that he's living. He wants something more, and what is it that's driving him to madness? Is it the claustrophobia? Is it the supernatural effects? Is it his pure hatred for living a middle-class life? So the terror there is very, very real, something that I think, like, when we talk about the mist and the villain, or... Um, what's causing it. We know, like we see that it's a squid kind of a thing. (laughs) Tentacles. We see that. And, um, yeah. So I think the terror is much realer. Time.
2: Jack Nicholson, scarier than octopi. (laughs)
3: That's
2: fair. Can confirm.
0: (laughs) Okay. And now we move into rebuttals.
2: All right. So, that's you, Megan. Shall I go first?
0: You shall go first. Are you ready? Yes. Go for it.
2: Uh, In regards to Rob Reiner being a wonderful director, he is, in fact, a wonderful director, but he's better at directing comedies. And so there are moments during Misery where Annie is supposed to be scary and it comes off more campy and funny, which, though not unwelcome in a Stephen King adaptation, to me, didn't directly translate the terror of the original novel. And, Sandra, your point as far as Jack being a relatable hero goes, is when I see him or at least a relatable protagonist, because he's not the hero. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't see an everyman. I see Jack Nicholson doing his damnedest to be as scary as possible from beginning to end of the film. I look at him, I don't identify with him. I want to run from him. And so that, to me, that struggle doesn't come across as much. Whereas I look at The Mist, and I see Mrs. Carmody, and I see figures like her... Um, fundamentalists who want who time t- yep <laughs> fundamentalists are scary <laughs> bada bing bada boom <laughs> bada, bing. bada bing bada boom
0: <laughs> sorry i hate to interrupt you like that no but no, no no i actually no. kind of enjoy it so i don't really hate to
2: be <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, how many things is she going to say after <laughs> I tell her to stop? You should,
1: you should have.
0: When like do I get to put Mute buttons that you could just smash at any time. I know. I you wish I had a like a buzzer. buzzer or something. You should
3: get a buzzer. I know. And I said that last time. Or a Zelda theme. I mean. Well, you, you've got that. Just move
0: your phone closer <laughs> to the mic. We'll be good. Um, Nick, it is your turn. Are you ready to go?
3: Uh, sh- yeah, I guess.
2: <laughs> Confidence. I, I like it. Come on, okay. dude. You're in the lead. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell yourself short. You're gonna do great. Oh, the
1: pressure. Okay.
0: There's right. never been this much support from an opponent, so you should feel good about yeah. it. I mean, Megan's really, <laughs> she's really encouraging you. here. It's good. All right, I'm good. All right, go. go for it.
1: All right. Um, so, starting off with the shining again, um, you made the point about um, the relatability of Jack uh, feeling like he, you know, he he wants to make it big as a writer, wants to break out of the middle class, um, make a name for himself. I feel like um, the book does a really good job of hammering that point home um, because you get a lot more context um, pre hotel. Uh, but the film kind of starts with them already on their way, and they kind of have to speed up uh, that all that, um, all those kind of years of uh, feeling trapped uh, into like the first 30 minutes of the movie. Um, and it, it just, it it could come off more, uh, powerful. I think if not that the movie needs to be longer, but (laughs) (laughs) like if they had, if they had more of that context and uh, time, Oh, I just ragged on the shining for a minute. I feel feel awful now.
3: And that's because the mist has no flaws.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, Sandra, are you ready to go? Yes. Go for it.
3: Okay. So, with the mist, one of the one of the criticisms is that um, the shining, or excuse me, um that the book has a hopeful, ambiguous ending, and that the film adaptation has a bleaker ending, and that's stronger. But I would disagree and I would give the quiet place as a perfect example of where it leaves you in this space of ambiguity, but that is so satisfying and that is so against what we would expect from a film. Um, So I think that it is uh, a stronger source material and not a stronger film. With regard to um, when Annie met Paul or uh, Misery, let's not forget Rob Reiner did when Harry met Sally. I refuse to let him be the best director of a horror film, um, first of all. But I think uh, for The Shining, if someone does not relate to Jack Torrance, Part of it is he's so scary because that's the side that we don't think we are, but maybe then we're Wendy, who is and completely time. apathetic.
2: Ooh, ooh, snap!
0: When Annie <laughs> met Paul,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm. Um, I you like those Videos on YouTube where they re-edit uh, movie trailers to change the, zo- the genre. The genre, yeah. I feel like they could do one for they misery. They could
3: totally. <laughs> They're to making dinner a with oh, the yeah. candle. <laughs>
1: I'll read what she's reading. (laughs) (laughs) My Billy Crystal.
3: (laughs) That was a a bystander. Nobody, (laughs) nobody do a Meg (laughs) Ryan.
2: Nobody do. A a very, a very, another (laughs) fun fact: the actress in When Harry Met Sally, who gave that line, "I'll have what she's having," Rob Reiner's mom. Yep, yep.
0: That's weird.
2: She (laughs) did cousins, apparently. Fair enough.
0: Okay, this one is harder.
2: Yeah, this was a good round. Good job, everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I think when Annie met Paul is so strong. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, God, I want to see that now. So, and, so yeah, I'm going to give Sandra the two points, and also I really like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that dance is making me change yeah. my mind. Oh, <laughs> no! Mind, mind,
2: They're like, never mind, you get zero points.
0: <laughs> no, I also liked your description of why the movie is terrifying and not really understanding mm-hmm. the source of everything. Is he just going crazy? Is it claustrophobia? Is it supernatural? I like that. Um, the next point, I think I'm going to have to give it to Megan. Ooh. Oh, Thank you. You both made really, really strong arguments about how good a job your directors did. But then Nick, everybody just pounced on <laughs> Rob Reiner for <laughs> not having the horror cred as a director, so I think I'm going to give that point to Megan.
3: <laughs> so Sorry, Rob.)
0: <laughs> <laughs> not that he's not a great director. Obviously.
1: I noticed you skipped
3: that one. <laughs> I'm like, I see a lot of clear, man.
1: <laughs> I didn't skip it. I just needed to cut down my time.
0: <laughs> it's in here. So current standings score-wise, we have Sandra in the lead with three points, Yee. Nick with two points, and Megan with one point.
2: Okay. So okay.
0: still anybody's game. Hey, you're in the game. It's not a shutout.
2: Yes. Uh,
0: it's not. Ugh, did I just use a we, sports analogy? I know. <laughs> Ew. We don't did know what sports is <laughs> on
1: this show. I
2: need, uh, I need a coach oh, to you give mean, me like, a resounding Quidditch? halftime speech. <laughs> Quidditch.
0: <laughs> okay. So this is our final round. And Nick, you're going to kick us off in this round. Sweet. You ready with your final points? Yeah. Okay. Go for it.
1: Cast. James Kahn is an excellent Paul Sheldon. Uh, got nominated for a Saturn Award for it. And he does a great, great job of uh, translating what Paul is feeling to the screen because the book is very internal. Um, So all of his thoughts and feelings are explained uh, in the text. But James Caan um, lives those words out, lives the text out. He uh, makes you feel the pain, the hate, the hope, the despair. But like... Any good story though, the hero is nothing without a good villain. And Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates, is possibly one of the scariest monsters in movies. One, because of just Kathy's terrifying performance, and two, because that character is timeless. Timeless. She'll always exist. She's the person whose entire life was destroyed by the ending of Game of Thrones. She's the person who sent Death Threats to Ryan Johnson after The Last Jedi. It's just perfectly cast. And she won an Oscar. For this portrayal, uh, it's really hard to pull off a character you hate just as much as you feel sorry for, because she she obviously has mental uh, illness that's gone unchecked for years, and so like there's moments where she appears like very sweet and like uh, depressed and suicidal, and you just you feel bad for her, but then she terrorizes Paul Sheldon, and then you go back to hating her again, and so you go you go back and forth between uh, like hating and loving. And it's just uh, something that's great about film is, you know, you got characters that you just love to hate. Um,
3: And I think that's it.
0: Cool. All right. Sandra, you are up next.
3: Okay. So I'm going to say, let's just talk about effects. The shining is the oldest film of the three. The newest one is The Mist. And when I was rewatching The Mist, the one note that I made is the effects are shit. And they <laughs> are. <laughs> they are. So when you look at the three films together, it really goes backwards in time. So it's The Shining who has the strongest effects. And Kubrick is fantastic at that. Um, and then Misery has great effects. And then The Mist. Um so just for that alone, like it's rewatchability, it loses some of its strength because it looks so outdated. Um, and when we think of the the two films, comparing them to The Shining, I think for Misery, Megan's right in that it was too light. So if we're thinking about the best horror film. I don't think that Misery is dark enough um, and scary enough to kind of hit that horror genre hard. Um, the book is much darker. So the source material was there to make it dark. Um, for the mist, I think the thing did it better. It's a stronger film. The practical effects are far better. Um, and the story is done. So we have a bleak ending, but it's done. You never have to go back to the mist. You know it, you've seen it, You don't have to go back to it. It, Whereas The Shining, you can keep going back and keep learning more and more about the film. You never quite know why is he in the picture at the end. Like, is Danny the bad guy? Is he the good guy? Um, Why is Wendy so completely apathetic? She's like a Pollyanna where, oh, he accidentally pulled his arm out of it or popped his shoulder out of its socket. And it's like, no, 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 that's abuse. You don't make excuses for your husband. That is abuse. And yeah, sure, he doesn't drink anymore, but it's not... A good thing that he did that. And you see her fighting against what is so painfully obvious.
0: Time. Well done. ooh The lean way to back. Sneak <laughs> in she did the lean back in the chair. <laughs>
2: I'm Huge time <laughs> I spent.
0: All right, Megan, you ready to go? Yes. All right, go for it.
2: We are here today to talk about horror, and out of these three stories, The Mist is the only one that doesn't shy away from the brutality of its source material. In Rob Reiner's Misery, it like there's an entire subplot added about this cute sheriff couple and his wife cause, <laughs> so that they can be this cute like rom-com element of this story and they also take away the goriest part of the of the novel um, because it's too dark to show that to an audience and same with The Shining. The climax of The Shining involve, in the book involves Jack smashing his own face repeatedly with a mallet to the point where it's not there anymore All of that is gone. And so even though they're they're remarkable films in and of themselves, they have to be sanitized for general audiences. This is not so with The Mist. The Mist takes that brutality. It takes the darkness of humanity and what people are capable of doing to one another, and it takes it even further. You say that the lack of a hopeful ending is a detractor for the movie? I think it's 100% something that adds to the experience and adds and creates an even more haunting ending uh, than what was originally there. I find the ambiguous ending to be kind of forgettable. Um, but you you change that, and it is something that sticks with you. It makes you think, and if you are unspoiled for it, it comes right out of nowhere, and it hits you in the, in the gut. It is that much of an emotional gut punch, and neither of those movies even come close to hitting that emotional high slash low.
0: <laughs> wow. Good, passionate argument there. And now we move into rebuttals. Mm-hmm. Nick, are you ready to go? Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay, you got one minute on the clock and go. Uh, let's just keep that
1: horror train rolling. Um, the mist has an end mm-hmm. to the horror. All the horror comes to an end, whether the the you know the main characters you're with are there or not the horror comes to an end, and you see that. The Shining, the horror comes to an end. Um, The place is still there, but you know what? Just don't go there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, in, In Misery, the horror never ends. Even when Paul Sheldon, spoiler, makes it out of the house, he's killed Annie Wilkes by uh killing her with a typewriter and shoving the story uh, into her throat. He still sees her every day in his everyday life, and it still haunts him, and it will haunt him for the rest Time. of his
2: life. <laughs> just <laughs> don't go to Colorado is what I'm Just, hearing. just don't go there. Just don't go there. <laughs> and actually,
3: I did go to the Owani Hotel, which inspired um kind of the look mm-hmm. oh my gosh it the, is over so, the, the overlook the overlook mm. the look of the overlook
0: <laughs> there's my one dad joke per episode
2: <laughs> <laughs> although
0: it's usually more like 12
2: i was gonna say didn't we start this episode off with like three dad jokes in a row <laughs> probably <laughs> maybe
0: probably it's my right i've earned it <laughs> all right sandra are you ready for your rebuttal yes.
3: Okay, so I will say the Shining is scary. You trip and Megan. It's <laughs> it is scary. You have the bloody elevator, you have the Grady twins, like quick cuts to them on the floor. They're first they're alive and they're holding hands and then they're dead and bloody and like they're if that's not scary, who hurt you? Um, <laughs> but but also I think I think The Shining has a nice balance because the mist gives it All up, it just puts everything out there. It leaves nothing to the imagination. And the imagination is what makes things scarier when you don't quite see, you don't quite know, and you don't know. Like you can watch The Shining over and over again and you don't quite know what's going on and the symbolism that's all around, even documentaries on The Shining. You don't have that for The Mist and you don't have that for Misery like you do for The Shining. And it's because it's horrifying and it also leaves enough to the imagination that you have Time. stuff to go back to. <laughs> I just I,
0: I don't know
2: what we're talking about, but all I want to do is run across Hyrule Field right
0: now. <laughs> okay. Last rebuttal is yours, Megan.
2: All right. We ready?
0: I'm ready. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Go for
2: it. So, in regards to misery, there it's true. This was a horrifying story, and yes. Uh, Paul will have to live with Annie for the rest of his life in terms of the memory of what happened to him. But so much of his internal struggle gets left on the cutting room floor. There's so much that he, terror that he experienced in the novel, that gets cut for, I guess, time so that we can spend time with the sheriff and his adorable wife and Lauren Bacall, um, you know agent. Like, don't get me wrong, those are all enjoyable, but like not scary. And as far as The Shining goes, it's true that as a society, we do come back to that film a lot. But for me, when I watched it, it wasn't nearly as scary because it had been parodied to death by the time I had finally gotten around to seeing it. And though it's iconic... This, what was scary in the 70s isn't necessarily scary today. That and the film. Time.
3: <laughs> it was actually made in
2: 1980. <laughs> <And> <laughs> tomato, tomato.
0: <laughs> Kathy Bates won the Oscar. She did. <laughs> she
2: did win the Oscar.
0: Alright, all right, all right. That's not that's oh, not uh, that's not a Matthew McConaughey. Well impression take your shirt of. off then. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, take your shirt off.
3: <laughs> Wait a minute.
0: <laughs> and the award for creepiest thing ever said to me on a podcast goes to <laughs> Hey, you won! I'm glad Yay!
3: Did it go to Nick or me? That went to you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, did you say it too?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, hooray. Oh
0: man. This is a rough one. I'm going to say I really connected with Megan's argument about how this one, how about how the movie doesn't shy away from the source material, which I will be honest is a shocking thing for me to connect to because I hate the ending of The Mist. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it with a passion. Yes. I haven't read the book. I hate it with a passion, but I like your argument. So I'm going to give you the two points. (laughs)
2: Wow, thank you. Oh, my God, I'm surprised.
0: (laughs) Now, oh, boy. I'm actually going to give the one point to Sandra. Sorry, Nick. Yay! Because I think the one sort of almost offshoot argument that you made in your rebuttal on how many documentaries have been made on The Shining and stuff like that, I think that really does point out what a cultural icon of a film it is. So I think that... Is going to garner you the point. So, the final round is going to be Sandra versus Megan. Nick, I'm sorry. Oh, goodbye. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) He's disappearing into the mist. Oh no! Going to the dead zone. But don't go away because you will help me decide who's going to win in the end. Okay. So
2: Sandra, we're fighting again. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm scared. (laughs) So here's what we're going to do. We are going to pause and take a moment to prepare for the final round, and then we will come back. I will reveal my moderator question, and you guys will fight. Okay, we are back, and we are ready for our final round. So the final moderator question for you guys, um, Megan and Sandra, just to reiterate that. Sorry, Nick, but like I said, you're going to help me decide who wins here. Yeah, so. I
1: graduated to judge (laughs) that's right
0: (laughs) and um, the final moderator question is you guys both talked about there being fundamental differences between your film and its source material so my question to you is how does your film best change the source material in order to make the best story so Sandra you have the most points so you get to decide who goes first do you want to go first or second
3: I'm gonna go second all right (laughs) (laughs) So, Megan,
0: (laughs) you are up first. You've got two minutes on the clock, and there will also be a rebuttal round, just like there was in the other rounds. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Hit it.
2: Let's do this. So the best adaptations um, are ones that maintain the spirit of the original work. They don't have to be one-to-one translations. It just so happens to be the mist happens to fall into that category. However... Um, as long as you maintain that spirit of the work, you can make distinct changes that ultimately end up enhancing the work, and that's exactly what The miss does. It drops the cheating subplot that doesn't add anything to anything and makes David and Andrea more likable characters. And for that, it also um, takes moments to develop some of the people in the store more than the original novella does, such as Sally and uh, Private Jessup. They get... Uh, they get more development so that we feel more when they ultimately end up dying, that those subplots um, succeed in building up pathos. But ultimately, I'm kind of dancing around the issue, the main change that happens is, of course, the ending. And the ending, where they run out of gas and they end up you know, David ends up having to mercy kill everybody. Being explicit about what happens is so phenomenally devastating. It's, it's the same feeling of when they get into the car in the book and they see the road all torn up, but it drives home so much more that while he may live, he has to live with what he's done from now into forever. And one of the, you know, he also has to stare into the face of somebody he refused to help who did succeed in saving her kids. And it, It's ultimately his arrogance that resulted in this sad, depressing, bleak ending, and he has to live with that forever, and that really is kind of the heart of the the story of The Mist, is having to look into the abyss and seeing what stares back.
3: Okay. Sandra, are you ready to go? Yes. And go. Okay, so Kubrick's The Shining is cinematically breathtaking. The Mist is not. The Shining is a pop culture icon. It's filled with unforgettable scenes that offer plenty to decipher beyond the surface. It stays with you. It's much more accessible than the source material because sadly people don't read. Um, But and even King, like I said, has come around to accepting the film. The thing that I love about The Shining... Kubrick's version, is that it retains the black comedy vibe, which King is so well known for. The Mist does not have that. Um, for The Shining, the villain is much more terrifying. It's either, you know, or trying someone trying to scrape past a mediocre middle class life to the effects of claustrophobia and madness to something supernatural to the horrors permitted by a parent who is too much of a Pollyanna to see the monster living under the same roof with her. And a kid who sees it all unfolding and is, and is utterly helpless. The Shining, Kubrick's The Shining, is painstakingly detailed and elegant. And you know what? I think it is one of the best film adaptations uh, of uh, King's books. Um, it is far from done, too. The story is not done whereas The Mist, it is. We know that The Shining, it is not done because we have Dr. Sleep. Danny be living with that trauma. It is not over for him. We have The Shining, the film, as a total mind-bender. It's not neat, neatly wrapped up like The Mist. And you know what? I can't wait to rewatch it. I don't know. My dozen time. <laughs> <laughs> dozenth time.'s time. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's a
3: word. It's I a like
2: baker's <laughs> dozen. A dozen I like the creation d- of the word dozen <laughs> I just
1: want to point out, both both of you guys are talking about the main character having to live with the trauma of what happened. Nobody cares about Paul
0: Sheldon's trauma. Nope. Well, <laughs> no. <good either. laughs> hey, he Don't be to, too bitter there he now. He <laughs> be rich and
2: successful yeah. for the rest of his days, so he can go cry in a bag of money, as my mom would say.
3: Crying a bag of money.
0: <laughs> he can wipe his face with his dozenth dollar.
2: To hang out. He gets to hang out with Lauren Bacall. Like, he's got nothing to complain about.
0: <laughs> All right, rebuttal time. Megan, are you ready to go? Yes. This is your last rebuttal. Yes, it is. Make it fantastic. Last no pressure. All right, you ready? Yes. Okay, go.
2: It's true, while The Shining is exceedingly well directed and is an excellent film, uh, Stanley Kubrick kind of tortured Shelley Duvall in order to get that performance, and I think that's kind of monstrous. I don't necessarily think that the ends justifies the means in that regard. As far as changes go, the reason reason Stephen King didn't like The Shining for the longest time, or at least didn't accept it, uh, he might have come around recently, but uh, that's because there's money to be made there, but the real problem with it is because it disrespected Jack's character. It the the film did not adequately translate the torment uh, that that character went through and the sympathy that you're supposed to feel for him he's just a monster in the film that and talking about changes you know who gets shortchanged in The Shining Doc Halloran he's the <laughs> goddamn <laughs> hero of the book and he gets killed off and it adheres to not only yeah, it adheres to the you know Time. the black guy dies in a horror movie trail, so cool <laughs> thanks for that Kubrick
0: <laughs> okay Sandra Final rebuttal is all yours. You ready to go? Yes. Okay. Go for it.
3: Okay. So the mist, like I've said before, it's completely done. You don't need to come back to it. We have answers even before the film is done. Had they let the creatures be unexplained until the very end. And then they discover that it's, it's because of the government. Okay, sure. It's a a little more of a tease and then a payoff at the end. Um, but we don't get that. And I think I would actually challenge you on stripping out the cheating subplot. I think that's a strong point that it actually shows, even that the main character succumbs to this primal behavior right off the bat. Um, and again, going back to like the ending, I think it's almost a splatter film with the mist. It's like on par with torture porn. It leaves you with nothing. The story's done. You don't need to go back. It's essentially propaganda and horror should be scarier than that.
1: <laughs> wow. I love that you could I love that you could keep a straight face after that.
2: That's I was awesome. Say, oh. Can I give a rebuttal to the rebuttal? <laughs> because I have some questions about what you just said. Borderline torture porn. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's done off off Okay, yeah,
0: all right, all right, <laughs> That's what all I'm right. About. <laughs> okay, we are done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm so confused. Send. He's got spiders like.
3: <laughs> You know, like ripping out of his flesh. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah. you are talking
2: about the ending. I was like, that. That you only see lights going. Oh, no, 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 no. No,
3: the film in general. Oh,
2: no. The moment where that dude like falls to the ground and like spiders explode. Yeah. Him. That's amazing. That's it is so amazing.
3: Cool. But I think horror can be better than that. It's cheap. Better than amazing? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, it's cheap, though. You it's just cheap. said it was amazing. <laughs> visually amazing but storytelling <laughs> but wise, you also said that it wasn't
2: visually interesting all right all right this is getting
0: personal this is getting personal the fight's no, over it's okay. like
2: none of that actually got added into the all right. argument all right I'm just, no, no,
0: no. No, no 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 we're done we're oh, no no save it for the aftercast zip it, zip save zip it for it. the aftercast <laughs> the, no 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 <laughs> all right so we need to wrap this up i think i might have my decision but nick what do you think
1: uh, you you want to go first or me go first? You
0: go first, okay. Because mm. okay. <laughs> oh. I get the final word, so I'm giving you a chance to to see if it changes I heard my you thinking. Grumble.
1: <laughs> uh, it's it's really hard. Like I totally feel for both sides here. Um, but I I think I'm gonna have to go with Sandra on it because of how Kubrick took the source material and made it like th- a great horror film um, with his adaptation. Um, I can also see though uh, on the mist, like that visualizing all the creepy things that Stephen King came up with, but also adding uh, horror elements. That was also really good, but I think, Think I am gonna have to go with Sandra well, it's, but it's, I, re- I think both of you should win because I don't want I don't want my well, parents to get
3: divorced. I mean, it's,
2: that's the we'll stay that's,
3: together for you. Nick. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's the whole philosophical debate. Like we just happen to be embodying that those two arguments. It's yeah. like what makes for a better adaptation: somebody who takes something and makes it something new, or somebody who takes something and.
3: Creates a facsimile. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, both are valid. Both are valid approaches, and it honestly is a case by case basis Mm -hmm. by film and by book in terms of what's the better option. Because like there are certainly books where I'm like I'm really glad somebody did their own thing (laughs) when it came to that. But then there are also movies where I'm like, why didn't they just stick with the book?
1: Yeah, I just I just had to go with what what I feel like made me appreciate uh, a certain film as a horror movie. I'm just trying to keep it all horror mindset. Horror (laughs) horror
2: oriented. Okay. Horror oriented? Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) You're like shutting that down. (laughs) (laughs) Shutting that down right
0: now. All right. Here we go. Nobody has anything in their hands that they can throw. Okay, good. Glad to see that. <laughs> and I'm already wounded. All- <laughs> you <laughs> can reach me, though. <laughs>
1: Nick, why did you raise your hand? Because, I, I don't know, I felt like I was being, like, arrested or
3: something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it is hot okay. in here, though, right? Yeah. Like, whew.
0: All right, here is the deal. Um, I think we, in the case of this moderator question, one of you held better to the spirit of the question than the other one did and gave me a more applicable answer to that question. And that person was... Me.
2: <laughs> Megan. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick came <laughs> in for the win! <laughs>
0: so, Megan is our winner.
2: Yay! Oh Yay. my god! <laughs> <laughs> Yay!
0: Have you won before?
3: No, no. This oh, sweet. This
2: is, this is yeah. new. <laughs> Exciting. Thank you. It's What's redeeming
3: because she was so upset about losing... <laughs> Uh winter soldier.
1: <laughs> okay. to... I was
3: very upset yes. by that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I also want to point out I didn't lose, I just graduated to judge. Yes. You did. Yeah. You, did. <laughs> you
2: did. You graduated to judge. Look at I mean we were still in the trenches and you were you yeah. were up with the judges. That's mm-hmm. really
3: cool. Yeah. You ascended. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, <on a> pedestal. <laughs> I'm gonna go well, with Judge Nick's. Uh, winner, that's the one that I'll go. That's with.
0: fine. You can yes. do that. It doesn't mean anything, but you can do it. <laughs> well, we
3: don't know. how. how Make does... me a belt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but don't take your shirt off. Oh, no. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, everyone would be blinded. All right, <laughs> Sandra, all right, all
1: right. Good
2: so... job. Like, those were excellent arguments for the
3: shyness. Yes. I should have won for that propaganda thing. <laughs> I was like, was
2: wait
1: good. a minute,
3: what? <laughs> I had so much fun writing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really, I was—I looked at you every now and then. It just seemed like you were looking, thinking very seriously. So I didn't.
3: I'm just trying to read from a distance. Yeah, but when you—but
0: so. when you said it though, you couldn't say it with a straight
3: face. <laughs> that,
0: that was, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Okay, so let's transition over to the aftercast. Normally, you would hear my opinion on the aftercast. In this case, I don't really have one. Yeah. So, so we'll just talk more about adaptations of films and stuff like that, and we can dive into more Stephen King stuff and. All that good stuff. So, Nick and Megan, thank you guys for being here. Thank
2: Yay. you for having yes. us. Yes,
0: Megan, so congratulations fun. on your win.
2: Thank you, Yay.
0: Sandra. Thank you for not throwing anything at me. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I will. I will just be on my way with this gigantic trophy. <laughs>
0: story geeks and it looks
2: heavy. Bid you all adieu. Yeah,
0: especially since you brought that with you. So <laughs>
1: I, I bring this with me everywhere.
2: Yes.
3: <laughs> so that is it for our horror series. We're going to be taking a couple of weeks off, and then you know what? We're coming back with The Force. We have a long series on Star Wars. Do not miss that. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast provider to make sure you don't miss any of these awesome shows. And if you're subscribed to Disney+, Plus, check out our sister podcast, The Story Geeks Talk Disney+. Definitely check that out. You can see our live shows. We'll be discussing The Mandalorian. And for more information on all our shows and blogs, head over to thestorygeeks.com. While you're there, support us on Patreon. Join the Story Geeks Club. Become an official member. Help us plan our upcoming shows. Honestly, some of the smartest geeks on the planet are part of that club, so you want to be a part of it, too. We're going to start recording our aftercast, and we're going to be talking about really what we should be diving into. If you're new to the Stephen King universe, what should you read? we'll maybe dive into what we thought of our arguments on the nerd fight. Members of the Story Geeks Club on Patreon determine what we talk about on our aftercasts, so be sure to become a member of the Story Geeks Club to help guide our shows. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories, and always seek the truth. Special thanks to these amazing people who help us produce the Story Geeks podcast by supporting us on Patreon as a part of the Story Geeks Club. We have Anthony Holder, Adam Vargas, Bob Sherfield, Brianna, Bryce Cox, Connie Moe, Jim and Mary Baldwin, Joshua Beckham, Jeremy and Kimberly Lujo, Julian Armstrong, Monty Thigpen, Nathan Miller, Nick Prokop, Ray DeLeon, Sean R. Reed, Theme Park, Pulse, and Wade Johnson. Thank you so much, Story Geeks Club members. If you want to find out more from us, check out thestorygeeks.com for more information and join our Story Geeks Club.